How is true freedom? Remember that hymn, God Bless America, Land That I Love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above, from the mountains to the prairies, to the oceans white with foam. God Bless America, my home sweet home. And for many of us who have come from other parts of the world, who have settled here, especially who have been here for a length of time, we say an amen to that hymn. The land of freedom. One of the greatest freedoms we enjoy in the United sorry, one of the greatest blessings we enjoy in America is freedom. We all have the freedom to live as we choose our lives. We choose our own paths. We use our abilities for our own gain as well as for the good of others. We all have freedom to live our own lives and to live it to the glory of God, meaning according to the faith once delivered to the saints. We have the freedom to choose our leaders and the freedom to worship God without interference from our government. The Bill of Rights, which is one of our original founding documents, consists of the first ten amendments to the Constitution, which specifies the basic freedoms and protections which are the core of American civil liberty. A little bit of history. Although the Constitution was ratified in 1788 and became effective March 4, 1789, it was not without grave concern by its state by the states that establish that establishing a strong central government without any guarantee of basic individual rights became an issue. In fact, many prominent Americans were so alarmed at the time. But by what was not included in the Constitution originally, that they could not ratify it. At least not without first being assured of the adoption of what is called the Bill of Rights. And that became the first order of business at the first Congress that convened under the new Constitution. So there were 12 amendments that first were arrived at, whittled down to 10 which are known as our Bill of Rights. In looking at these amendments in more detail, and you should do that, you should review that if you haven't uh, in a while, it's easy to see the important role that they play in the lives of Americans for more than 200 years. And it's being put to the test now, isn't it? Thomas Jefferson wrote, a Bill of Rights is what the people are entitled to against every government on earth. And that includes especially our own. Sadly, not all are free. Sadly, we have a stain against our nation's soul with black slavery. And I point out that that's the outstanding that led to, I believe, the instigation of its first war, which was a civil war between the states. But we are not the first. In Jesus' day, as we've read, it was said, we were never in bondage to any man. But the truth of the matter is the Jews 
were subject to many nations at, at this point. Uh, the, the, the Egyptians, to the Assyrians, to the Babylonians, to the Grecians, to the Syrians. And at the time that Christ said those words, or that these words were quoted, to which Christ replied, or answered, it was Rome. Look at Matthew 5.41 as a case in point. Matthew 5.41. Here's an example of the subjugation of a foreign power upon Israel as its tributary state. In Matthew 5.41. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him tween. Tween means two. In other words, if someone makes you go with him a mile, someone forces you to go with him a mile, carrying a burden for him, say, after the first mile, another, second. Let me quote to you something uh, written in the website of North Star Church in regard to this verse. In biblical times, a Roman soldier under imperial Roman law could demand or command that a Jewish man or boy carry his load or burden for up to a mile. That's a long way, especially if it's a heavy load, like armaments, for example. So they carried the soldier's burden for one mile and not a step further. You can already see how they were bogging underneath the program of this foreign power has imposed its will upon the people. The Roman soldier would then look for another Jew to further carry his burden, and so on and so forth. The Jews longed for the coming of the Messiah, who they thought would set things right with the Romans. But when Jesus did appear, he said, one mile is not enough, carry it two. I can only imagine what the Jewish people were thinking when they heard that expected a true political hero, a champion of champions, and not one who would ask them to carry their burdens for further or for further distances, unquote. I know there was a case in point in Mark 15, 21, of this very thing happening. Mark 15, verse 21, this was when the Lord Jesus was on the road, the road of his passion road of his glory. That is to Golgotha, which it says, and they compelled one Simon a Cyrenian, who passing by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. This is an example. This is the case in point how they compelled this person who was passing by to do this. He was a North African who was made by the Roman soldiers to carry the cross of Christ to Calvary. The Holy Spirit would marvelously and miraculously bring the gospel to North Africa in their very own language through the preaching of the apostles on the day of Pentecost. Look how gracious God is. If you want to follow that track 
this story you can. There's information about this and other examples of how the gospel went out. But freedom is costly. Freedom is costly. All the freedoms are a blessed, great blessing, but they are not won without a cost, and they are not preserved without a cost. Our nation's founders took a stand for liberty and defended it whatever the price. Since then, countless brave men and women have stood up to protect this great country, to secure its freedoms, to promote the cause of liberty throughout the world. Not without its mistakes, but nevertheless, that has been what we have been known for. And many of them have paid the ultimate price. And we honor their sacrifice. In fact, I met a man who was in Vietnam, and as a result of a wound in this Abdominal area continues to suffer to this day. In fact, recently had a very difficult surgery in order to correct this problem and it was still on a rocky road. We should remember to acknowledge their service when we have the opportunity, such as what I did over there to some that, uh, that served in our country's military. But also our police and our homeland security the emergency caregivers that risk their lives in order to keep us safe and healthy. But that does not leave us off the hook entirely. That is, we must do our part preserving our freedom. Today we are faced with that strong central government all over again that is more and more denying basic rights of its citizens. We need to be aware of what's going on and to take whatever legal action, political and appropriate action that will that are guaranteed by our Constitution to protect our freedoms. Also, living in a land where there is tolerance, this is another aspect too I can bring up because I think it's important to speak to this. And this is what our country is founded on. This is part of our freedoms. Also, living in a land where there is tolerance which means accepting people without always accepting our, their ideas or accepting them necessarily. That's one of the things that makes our country great. It's okay to disagree, disagreeably, as the saying goes, to agree to disagree with one another and still treat one another with that dignity and respect that is due to our neighbor. Yet having said all this, there is an even greater freedom that is ours, described in Bill of Rights as the freedom of religion. The Bible talks about the freedom that is given by the triune and sovereign God that is available to people, not just in our country, but throughout all the nations of the world. For as sinners, we all need to be set free because our hearts have been held captive by sin and by Satan since the first man, Adam, disobeyed God. In Romans 5.12, we read, Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man, that is Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, that all have sinned. You hear that? For all. 
our passage in John 8, Jesus said, Verily, verily, that is truly, truly, I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. That means that if you commit even one sin, it shows that you are a slave of sin. Because the word servant there is the word for slave. It means you have a nature that enslaves you to do what your nature dictates. And if it's a fallen nature, if it's a sinful nature, if it's a corrupt nature, if it's a depraved nature, which our natures are, that's what you will do. And if you do anything to the contrary, it is all by the grace of God that you're even doing that. And so we are by nature a servant or a slave of sin and Satan. That's what the Bible says, and that is why we commit sins. Have you worshipped anyone other than the true and living God that is expressed in the Bible, that is revealed in Scripture? You bow down, have you bowed down to idols and statues before? Kiss their feet? Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain even once? Have you murdered anybody? By the way, when we do premarital counseling, we ask the hard questions like, have you ever been in jail before? Are you right now um, on parole? Things that two people in love might not want to, the one of the two involved that is, the, of course, the guilty one, would, would, would never bring up in a romantic uh, context, of course, right? At least, unless the Lord prevails. Have you murdered anyone? How about hidden murder? Did murder the heart? Have you hated anyone so much that you wished them dead? Or have you committed adultery with another man's spouse? Or a woman's uh, husband? Or have you committed fornication? Or hidden adultery, which is called that in our title of Catechism, by the way. Our Lord says, Whosoever look upon a woman who lusts after her in her heart hath committed adultery already in his heart. Matthew 520. How many times have you been guilty of looking upon the opposite sex with lust? Or the same sex with lust? How about stealing? How about lying? Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. How many times have you lied before or didn't tell the truth, which is the same thing? And if you're guilty of any or all of these, if you've committed sin, according to Christ, you are a slave of sin. And you're not free. For all have sinned come short of the glory of God. God tells us that all liars and drunkards and adulterers and thieves, etc., will end up in the lake of fire eternal hell, Revelation 21 8. Ultimate freedom is knowing that your sins have been forgiven you and the chains of sin have been broken in your life through the Son of God. By the, the greatest sacrifice of them all. In the history of the United States, as I've mentioned already, many have given up their lives to secure our liberties as we know them now. Similarly, in the kingdom of God, God chose to love sinners with an everlasting love 
enough that he would send his son to demonstrate that love in the greatest way that exceeds them all. As it says in the Bible, as one said in the Bible in John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. On the cross, Jesus, the sinless Son of God, took the sins of all believers on Himself and was punished in their place for what they deserved. He took their punishment. He paid price. He fulfilled the debt that we owe to God who believe in Him. It says in Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, following, for as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, that is, God's people. Obviously, we are flesh and blood. He also himself likewise took part of the same, meaning flesh and blood. And you know why? Because God cannot die. But as the God-man, he could die and, and did die. He died that horrible death of Calvary. That through death, he might destroy him that has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who throughout their lifetime were subject to the fear of death, to bondage. And think about this. He did this for free. For the wages of sin is death. Is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is not a gift that you can reject. This is not a gift that you can afford to reject. This is not a gift that you can turn your back on and walk away from. And yet many do. To their own loss. This is the gift, the gift of God. Are you really free? Are you free from the biting sin of a guilty conscience? Or from anguishing torture of some memory that haunts you from the past? Of something that you may have done to God and to others? Are you free from the enslaving power of sin in your life? Is there one day that doesn't go by which you don't struggle with sin of some kind, temptation of some kind. Sin that wrecks your relationships, that destroys your home, and that ruins your testimony for the Lord if you're a Christian. Are you free from the fearful terror of certain death and God's impending judgment and wrath to come? I pray that these are things that you are facing. I know that's something that you don't want to wish on anyone, but I pray that, that these things that affect us all may affect us in a way that may cause us to want to be delivered from them, to be set free from them. And to be free where it counts the most, and that is here in our hearts and our minds 
in our souls. That our desire is for peace and not simply just to be like that stolen individual, that one who just bears up underneath it and, and like a, a tough shoulder fights his way through it because you can never fight your way through this. You never win. You may have peace with God, but it is at a price, even one that has already been paid by Christ. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a peace that assures you that you're no longer condemned by God, that God no longer looks down upon you with anger, with wrath, but rather with love. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Those who are in Christ Jesus are free. They are free in every sense of the word. There's a freedom that cannot be explained except if you yourself experience it yourself and not someone else for you. No one can do this for you. No one can be in your place except the one who took the place of sinners on the cross, the one who paid the sentence of death that is required for all sin because the wages of sin is death. And it's this Holy Spirit too, the Spirit of Christ that transforms our lives to be more and more like His as that verse that I quoted to you says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And that walking after the flesh is what is the fruit of our having Jesus Christ. Our walking with Christ. By the Spirit in Christ. So, you not only have peace with God, but you will have the peace of God. Does that make sense? You will have that inner peace that cannot be explained, that is past understanding, as the Bible says. And the peace of God which passes understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. If you're struggling with just holding it all together, keeping it all together, there is hope that it's not in yourself or me. It is not in anything or in anyone but Him, Jesus Christ. He said in John 16, what? These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I overcome. There is my. And he didn't overcome the world by conquering the world, by coming in as that prince on the white stallion leading the way with the Jews and overcoming their suppressors, the Roman Empire. Rather by giving up his life for sinners on the cross. 
that's how he fulfilled those words, I have overcome the world. And therefore, on this basis, live as a free man, live as a free woman or child, especially if Jesus Christ loves you and gives his life for you. And don't go backwards in your old sins. Peter talks about how we've forgotten how he has forgiven us of our old sins. Don't go back to those ways. Don't go back to that old lifestyle. Don't go back to those things that tripped you up and that made you stumble and almost fall until the Lord saved you. But go forward with your Lord, like it says in Galatians 5.1. What does it say in Galatians 5.1? Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Not developing this thought, because there's much here in terms of this message. That's just another way of saying, go forward and not backward. Although the reality is that we will step backward from time to time. You will go off to the side, whether to the left hand or to the right, from time to time. But make those less. Make it less frequent. We may not be sinless like the sinless Son of God that we love and cherish, but we may sin less. Someone said, we sin less. Have that as your life goal. Please, God, to walk into all pleasing, to show Christ's likeness in your life. And go forward with the Word of God, as He said in that passage that we read at the beginning, when He said to those who believed upon Him, and by the way, there were those who believed upon Him in that audience, many that believed on Him, it says. There were also those that didn't believe in Him, as you will note if you read it again. But he said to those who did believe on him this, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed? Do you continue the word of God, or is your reading like small and nothing? Like sometimes it is for us when we are not diligent in our walk. trust that that's not the case. I trust that you continue in the Word of God. That as you grow in the Lord, as the light grows in your life, that, that light will, will grow more and more until the perfect day of your going to be with Him. And in this way, show that you are His disciples indeed. And let me tell you, this is very important to the assurance of faith. If you, if you are struggling with assurance of being saved, of assurance of being God's, of assurance of going to heaven. And is that an important assurance? Oh, yes, indeed. Is it part of freedom? Oh, yes, it is. Be shackled by fear, especially the fear of hell, is not something that is going to make for a happy camper in the kingdom of God. So, 
What is the best solution? I'm giving it to you now. Go forward with the Word of God. And what does our Lord say? That when you do, you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Free indeed is what it is in the Greek. Free indeed. It's like when we text each other and, and we give an answer like, indeed, like after uh, when pastor friend says something to me, Roger, uh, Ron Joling, uh, he says something that is absolutely true. It's the Word of God. And then I text him back, indeed. And then I say something, we give a scripture in support, and then he texts me back, indeed. <laughs> And go forward with prayer in the Holy Spirit. Notice, prayer in the Holy Spirit. There's prayer and there's prayer. There's prayer that's, can I say, prefunction, prefunctory. Have you heard that term before, prefunctory? It's not even doing what prayer should be doing. It's like what you do before prayer. And that is all of whatever is needed to have the ambience for prayer. So you have a prayer closet. So you have a prayer altar. So you have a prayer garden. But you don't go there. What's that? Our Lord says, go into your closet, shut the door, and your Father that sees you will answer you in secret. The Father that sees you openly will answer you in secret. You want to know what it means to be in the secret of the Lord? You want to know what it means to have that relationship with God that is close and intimate and that is growing. And it's growing not just in terms of what you do, but what God is doing in your life. How God is drawing you closer and closer to Him. How God is strengthening you. Because I'll tell you what, without the love of God, you can't do anything for God. It's like everything is like water off the duck's back. It's like that instrument that is... is, is not working. It's like what the Bible says about, about uh, uh, when we prophesy and do wonderful works without charity. It's like a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. That's what our faith sounds like. That's what our life echoes like. It's like an echo chamber. All we hear is our, our own voice bouncing back and forth in the walls of that chamber. And that's perfunctory prayer. And you don't want to stay there. But you want something to grow. And that is the Lord, His love, His word, and His spirit in your life, even as He has promised. Because He says in that scripture that is in 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is that spirit. The Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's where you find true freedom of belonging and, and knowing that you belong to God is in that experience with the Lord. And if you haven't experienced that, follow what I tell you now. And I assure you that you will. I assure you that you will. And lastly, but not leastly, Go forward with God and His people and worship just as we are doing now. In 1 John 1, 6. This might not be exactly the scripture to speak to this, but 
it is understood. It is couched in this passage. 1 John 1, 6 and 7. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and that is us and the Lord. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. See that? We have fellowship with God. In fact, earlier he says that, doesn't he? He says in verse 3, And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. But it's also with God's people, because notice that he says, if, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, as he is light, we have fellowship one with another. And that is that we as God's people also have fellowship with him. And by default, with one another. With one another as God's people, as his church. Because he is working in his church. This is the context of where God begins his work and where he ends his work before he takes us up to his glory as his bride one day. All your sins are washed away in the precious blood of the Son of God and by the resurrection from the dead, the new life begins. The new life begins. And as you grow in this new life, that he has given to you and to me through his son. You will experience true freedom as you have never experienced before. And what a wonderful blessing it is to be free, to be free indeed. You could be in prison and be free. As those who have experienced that in the Bible, such as Paul and Silas, when they were singing praises to God, so much so that it rocked the whole prison. And the door is wide open. And that wasn't the only time either, was it? And even those who attest have been converted. Maybe they got into prison as an unconverted person, but when they were in prison, they became a converted man. As some that we know personally have attested to. Some even in this congregation. And walked out as a new person. And even when they were in prison, or even in the case of those who remain there because they have a life sentence, but who are now free in Christ. Their souls soar up to God, and it's as if there's no walls around them. And they minister there to the other prisoners. The very gospel of the grace of God that set them free. The Son, therefore, shall make you free. You shall be free in I trust that you're experiencing what I have called true freedom, which the Bible calls true freedom, which society understands as that, but only in a superficial sense, but which is there in its fullness for us, Lord Jesus Christ, shall we pray. Father in heaven, how we thank you for the freedom that we have in your Son. Oh Lord, thank you for great salvation and all that goes with it. Peace and joy, the freedom and the rest that we have by the
being your people. May you refresh us at this time with hope, with hope especially in these very down times. And that, Lord, our attitude, our hopefulness might be contagious, and that others may see that there's something different about us and will ask of that hope that we have. We'll ask for the reason of that hope that is in us, that we will be ready in order to tell them the good news, because it is good news. And that is because you are here, and because you are our Lord, and because you are God, and there's none else. And you are our Savior, and there's none else. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Grant us now your blessing.